a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From Xijin headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business on Zhuzhong. Coming up on the program. China's services activity expanded in October, largely due to increased number of international tourists and more foreign demand for domestic services. The China International Import Expo or CIE will open Sunday in Shanghai. Some 3,400 exhibitors from around the world will finish setting up their booth today. And UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak hails landmark agreements on global collaboration around safer and more responsible development of artificial intelligence. China services activity expanded in October. A private sector survey showed on Friday. The Caixin Services Purchasing Managers Index, or PMI, which focuses more on small and medium-sized companies and exporters, rose to 50.4 in October from September's nine-month low of 50.2. Businesses attribute this growth primarily to a rise in international tourist numbers and an overall enhancement in foreign demand for Chinese services. Shanghai has implemented 12 measures to boost consumer market innovation and spur consumption. These include pioneering global product launches, igniting consumer activity, and cultivating urban branding. Our correspondent Zhang Shixuan takes a look at some of the efforts made by property developers to attract customers in commercial centers across the city. As night falls, the old grey stone bridges are lit up with different patterns projected on the bridges. Starting from last Thursday, this water town in Shanghai suburban Qingpu district will offer the light show every day until mid-January. Customers appear to be enjoying the light show and are willing to stay longer. I just took pictures. It was really beautiful. We also took the boat. Now we are planning for a dinner. I now eat outside with my children once or twice a week. I like this place. I came with my mother. This place is very unique, very beautiful. The weather these days in Shanghai has been pretty nice, so we would like to go out. The combination of artistic shows with retail scenes have become increasingly popular as a new way to attract customers. It is increasing. Ten years ago, only the foreign brand uh, like invited us, but uh, last five years. Uh, many local uh, like uh, Chinese brands start doing this. I think after COVID, I can get 30% more this uh, this kind of job. I feel like in here it has a, a really special environment, and uh, especially a lot of artists are are elevated in this way because it's a commercial area with a lot of traffic, a lot of visitors, and that uh, it will really create a, a, a great fuzz. So for the artist is uh, is interesting to think about commercial aspects as as well as it's uh, how to spread the culture. In the first three quarters of the year, retail sales of consumer goods in Shanghai topped 1.38 trillion yuan, an increase of more than 16 percent from the same period last year. Stores, brands, and shopping centers have been eager to tap into the recovery of consumer spending. 传统的商业的市场，其实在今天的这个当下，其实受到非常大的一个。The traditional commercial retail market has seen huge challenges this year, partly due to current economic trend. More importantly, during the past 20 years, we can see that the supply of traditional commercial properties in China has been excessive. Many projects have similar content and layouts, but people have more specific requirements, including culture. 
So innovation is the key. As part of marketing campaign measures, the company last month held a music festival project across its properties in Shanghai, Wuhan, Chongqing, and Foshan. The Caixin Services Purchasing Managers Index climbed to 50.4 in October, from September's 50.2, which was the lowest of the year. Zhang Shixuan, ICS for CGTN, Shanghai. For more discussions on China's latest economic data, we're joined by Shi Fan Qi, assistant professor at School of Economics at the Peking University. Thank you for joining us. How do you interpret the October services PMI of 50.4? It's in the expansion zone, but not particularly strong. Thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, to be frank, when I first looked at the data, I was kind of surprised. So basically, because the September is the nine months low, so uh, I had expected to, uh, the PMI to be, to be the service PMI to be a little bit higher. So I dig into the data offered by the National Bureau of Statistics, which provides more detailed analysis regarding uh, the PMI separated into sectors. And from that data, we see that as expected, uh, due to the Golden Week holiday, uh, due to the national holiday, we see that the railway sector, the railroad sector, airlines, postal services, and telecommunications each has a PMI which is uh, relatively high, that is above uh, 60. But still, the, the, those sectors like the capital services and the real estate property remain bogged down. That is still quite low. And specifically, that data reads that the new orders actually of the service sector declined by 1.1%. So that's why we can see some of the reconciliation between our experiences of the national holiday and the data. Right. What influences are impacting consumer confidence in spending on services? And what's your evaluation of these factors? Uh, so for that question, so now that we know that it's the capital services sector and the real estate property sector, which is lagging behind, we can see more of the reason. I think there are three main reasons. The first one is that even though the input cost is not rising, that fast is still going up. So the, it is still uh, because of this rising cost uh, that the, there's the consumer is reluctant to consider like the capital services and the real estate, especially that these investments require uh, it's a long-term investment. Uh, the second reason is we know that back in, in, the, in late August and early December, the government rolled out a couple of measures to try to warm up, especially the real estate property sector, but uh, unfortunately that those measures are not taking effect, at least not at this moment. And I think the main reason is that a lot of local government are still facing the debt issues. So it is hard for them to provide sufficient support. And the third reason is that as we move into October, we see uh, that uh, the geopolitical tensions are heating up and we see a lot of new conflicts and old conflicts like the uh, Ukraine war is still there. Thank you very much for that insight. Mr. Xu Fanqi, Assistant Thank Professor you. of School of Economics at uh, Peking University. Chinese Premier Li Qiang will deliver a speech at the opening ceremony of the China International Import Expo, or CIE. The event opens on Sunday in Shanghai and runs through next Friday. Some 3,400 exhibitors from over 150 countries, regions and international organizations are expected to finish setting up their booth today. Reception centers at both of Shanghai's airports are ready to provide services like transportation, translation, information checking, 
guidance and emergency help for thousands of visitors. Meanwhile, the CIA Bazaar City Arena has opened in the city center of Shanghai, selling commodities not just from this expo but also previous expos. Both exhibitors and, and customers are sharing their expectations. I brought a lot of Turkish goods this year, such as handicrafts and ceramics. Passenger flows have been much better than expected because many people have already come, even though the expo hasn't even started. I was very interested in the expo, so I've come here looking to buy foods and crafts. The products have really caught my eye. We plan to roll out new products with the 6th CIIE, such as cashmere scarves from Mongolia, essential oils from Syria, and a natural milk powder and yogurt from New Zealand, which are very popular with customers. This year's CIIE will showcase products from around the world that are not only sustainable but have benefited from trade agreements such as the Belt Road Initiative and are secured by cold chain logistics technology. Our exhibition this year focuses on three aspects, high-quality products, sustainable development, and Irish cultural experiences. This year is the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative. Dell has taken the opportunity and searched for nearly 100 different types of fruits during the past 10 years. At our booth, we have brought pineapples and bananas from the Philippines, avocados from Peru, grapefruit from South Africa, and other products from BRI partner countries. 70% of the fruits from the BRI partner countries are duty-free, which greatly helps us to have a more cost-effective experience when we buy these fruits. To ensure the safe storage of products, the Expo has provided freezers and cooling containers for coaching warehouses. We also arrange staff to take care of it for 24 hours to control the temperature. Ahead of the 6th CIE, my colleague Michael Wang sat down with Ian Shi, president of industrial automation giant Rockwell Automation China. This year marks the third year that Rockwell is attending the CIE. As China continues to upgrade its vast manufacturing sector, they began the conversation with what China market means for Rockwell. Ian, thank you so much for joining us. I want to start with a macro picture first. So China's vast industrial sector continues to upgrade itself. Uh, this country has a burgeoning middle income group. It needs more infrastructure, it needs more development, and it's continued to urbanize. What do these megatrends mean for Rockwell Automation? How do you see the growth potential of the China market? Well, we're seeing this overall situation evolving. And as an overall trend, based on what you described there, there is an acceleration of the high-quality development in the manufacturing sector. And then another piece that's happening right now is around the globalization. And both of them actually serves perfect around the Rockwell Automation's DNA, hmm. where our nature being global and our nature being a strong cross-functional collaboration horizontally, that we can allow to address the requirements from end to end. Mm. And a lot of the concerns or challenges today is not just about you're not having enough productivity, it's how do you generate new demand and pulling through this entire growth of the requirements in the market. And Ian, this is going to be the third year that Rockwell Automation is attending the China International Import Expo. So at the 6th CIIE, you're aiming to unveil a new ESG alliance. So 
talk to us more about that? What does that entail? What do you hope to achieve on that front? Absolutely. I think our intention is very clear. In order to address the ESG, which is the industrial industry chain sustainability, we have to look at this end to end. It's not just about one person being good. It has to be a holistic view. Thinking big, but you have to start small. But no single company can cover it all. So how do we bring everybody together, the ones with the capability to address the end-to-end -end capabilities through this map? And then this is how we could really map out addressing holistically of the customer needs. Mm. But again, it starts a lot to do with the chain leader of each sector and then influencing upstream downstream. Mm. And part of that ESG is a big umbrella. And something very important underneath it from the environmental side is around net zero value chain. Mm. So that's something that will help us cut through the entire industry chain to address it and connecting everybody together to serve that holistic industry sustainability. For more discussion on the 6CIE, we're joined by Zhou Mi, a senior research fellow from the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. Thanks for joining us, Mr. Zhou. The CIE in Shanghai next week, actually starting from Sunday, will be the first total return of in-person expo after three years of the pandemic. What opportunities will it create for global companies? I think that the CIE is a kind of a very important platform, not only providing the opportunities for the enterprises, but also, you know, there are so many stakeholders who are going to participate in the discussion of a lot of topics. So both the, the government and also the enterprises, they can exchange their viewpoints on how can we improve the quality of the products we are providing for the consumers. And you know that in the recent years that China is developing very quickly and the consumption has becoming one of the most important things for the stimulus, for the support of the economy. So I believe that the government and the enterprises will have more opportunities to share their points. And the second, I think that these uh, companies can bring the new, the latest products that they are going to show the world. So it's a, actually a very important exhibition place for them to show their best uh, quality of the products. And the third one, I think that uh, the CIIE is also a very important source for the innovative ways of thinking. And the consumers, actually, they go to the, the CIIE and show their uh, willingness. And maybe that will also uh, make more ideas to the enterprises globally. Mm. China has released a series of measures so far this year to improve the business environment for foreign companies. How effective will these measures be? Actually, in my understanding that a lot of processes are trying to make it a very stable environment for the investors. If they come here to invest, they need a very stable prediction and also expectation of the market. So they can find these opportunities here because Chinese market is trying to be more stabilized compared with many other markets. So this is the first one. And the second, I would say that China the Chinese government has put a lot of innovative way of creating more opportunities for the green development, for the digital economies, and also for the combination of different sectors. This also providing a lot of uh, new opportunities for some companies. And the third one, I would say that the Belt and Road Initiative has attracted so many investors, not only from the Western countries, but also from a lot of other developing countries. So they can come here to share their advantages and trying to learn from others. This is really important because they need to also improve their 
positions in the global supply chains. And lastly, what measures would you advise authorities to roll out to continue attracting foreign investment, especially under the current complex domestic and international economic environment? Actually, we know that the world is under pressure. The pressure mainly is uh, coming from the objective and subjective reasons. And uh, as a result, I would say China is becoming the biggest market of, uh, you know, not only for the volume of the consumption, but also for so many diversities. So the first uh, thing I would suggest is China is trying to promote the integration of the domestic market. We're trying to benefit those uh, sectors and regions, not only in the coastal areas, but in the middle and the western regions. We are trying to improve mm. their abilities to be better cooperate with others. And second, I would say that there will be more trade agreements and a lot of uh, rules-based system that we can negotiate with many partners. And the third one, I think that is uh, the stabilist and also the the facilitation of the trade and investment, which is very important for companies, especially for small and medium-sized companies. Thank you so much for your insights, Mr. Zhou. For us, he's a senior research fellow from Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. Time now for our very special series, Biz Focus. The 134th Canton Fair third phase, known as the China Import and Export Fair, is in full swing in Guangzhou, drawing more than 11,000 exhibitors in the offline format. In today's Biz Focus, our reporter Olivia He tells us how the Canton Fair is expanding into diverse markets and propelling China's high-end manufacturing onto the global stage. This year, we celebrate the 10th the anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative. Over the past 10 years, the Canton Fair has evolved into a pivotal platform for Belt and Road partner countries to establish vital trade ties. At the 134th Canton Fair, there has been a substantial increase in exhibitors and buyers from these countries, all eager to grasp lucrative trade prospects. Our reporter Olivia He has more. When someone asks me if there's a place that gathers all the treasures from around the world. Nice to meet you. My name is Omer. We bring Turkish treasure to you. Yes, there is indeed such a place. And I'm currently in it. This is the crowd at the 134th Canton Fair, also known as the China Import and Export Fair. Over 150,000 overseas buyers from more than 200 countries and regions have gathered in Guangdong province, also known as Canton, to search for high-quality products from various parts of the world. You can see like lots of products that are, are really impressive for the European market and the Middle Eastern market, which I'm targeting for the, for the moment. They would ask uh, the, the buyers, the visitors, to go and visit the factory. That's an added value for businesses from across the world to get to know China better, to get to know these factories better, and to develop a long-term relationship. Out of the 150,000 buyers from abroad, 64% are from the Belt and Road participating countries. Additionally, around 400 overseas companies are participating in the exhibition, representing 27 Belt and Road participating countries, including long-term partners of the Canton Fair. Hey guys, this is nice Hello, just to remember me. Of course, you are from the 133th Canton Fair. I thought it's like a normal fair. But then when I came here, man, it took me one hour just to talk from, walk from that side to this side. This year is way more crazier. It's way more crazy. There's a lot of people, a lot of international buyers because it's after the COVID-19, then the impact is way more better. 
He'll manage to show me the trick deals he made at a content fair so far. His successful experience at a content fair has also attracted his friend to come here this year. He closed many buyers here in Canton Fair. It's all over the world. Oh, but we are in Malaysia. We can see just Asian. But here, we can see the world here. In addition to the regular exhibitors actively seeking customers and making deals, the new attendees are also making strides in expanding their international market. For instance, this Turkish exhibitor is explaining to me how the Belt and Road Initiative facilitates their trade with China. Previously, we have over two months transportation period from Turkey to China. Now, with Belt and Road Project, we can reach in two weeks, which is quite big advantage for us because we can have more aggressive volume and more focus on the Chinese Belt and Road countries. In the past decade, the import and export trade between China and the Belt and Road participating countries has experienced rapid growth. The total trade volume has reached an impressive $19 trillion, with an average annual growth rate of 6.4%, surpassing the growth rate of global trade during the same period. The Cantor Fair not only serves as an expansive trade platform for Belt and Road participant countries, but also puts the entire spectrum of Chinese manufacturing on display. In the initial phase of this Cantor Fair, China's manufacturing prowess garnered significant attention. Now, as we enter the third phase, let's delve into the new technologies uncovered by our very own Olivia Hu. The Canton Fair, one of the largest trade fairs in China, is the ideal platform to witness the country's progress in manufacturing. For many global buyers, their first-hand experience of China's manufacturing advancements begins with a visit to the exhibition hall featuring massage chairs. From the early days when it was, you know, people would question the quality, to nowadays you can't question the quality, it's fantastic. This Australian buyer has participated in the past 26 Canton Fairs. The last time he checked out this massage chair brand was in 2019, and now there have been even more upgrades. You can see in our booth, we have many high-tech technology massage chairs with new functions. We integrated a human massage action into the real massage chairs, like the one you see in the front. That is our latest model which can give a cycling action while you are massage. Rotai is not the only Chinese company that blends traditional craftsmanship with cutting-edge technologies. It was interesting to see during an exhibition that many visitors were actually riding on these suitcases. So to dig deeper into this, I decided to have a conversation with the manufacturer. We just combined two products together. One is the luggage, another one is scooter. The right bottom before, Okay. The left button, that is electronic breaker. Okay. These suitcases function similarly to electric cars and are gaining worldwide attention. In the second quarter of this year, the sales on Amazon doubled compared to the first quarter. I never saw that in my life. And when I discovered that it's China manufacturer making that, I was totally surprised and told like that. It's very high quality. In one year, you will see everybody in the airport with the such kind of product. At this content fair, there are a lot more Chinese companies like the ones we checked out, showcasing the rapid development of Chinese manufacturing and innovation to the world. Chinese products have transitioned from being famous for their affordability to a new era of high quality and advanced development. Olivia He, CGTN, Guangzhou City in Guangdong Province. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has held landmark agreements and progress on global collaboration around artificial intelligence as the first AI safety summit ended one day 
on day one of the event, leading AI countries agreed to the Blanchley Declaration, which calls for safer and more responsive, responsible development of AI. Paul Hawkins has more details in the Milton Keynes, UK. We had the uh, Bletchley Declaration, the Bletchley Communique, which uh, called for global cooperation on tackling the risks and uh, AI should be kept safe in such a way to be human-centric, trustworthy and responsible. A significant summit, a significant uh, declaration, not least because all 28 countries, including China, have signed that agreement. At the end of the day, Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, gave a press conference and significantly he said that there was an agreement amongst like-minded countries, that term again, uh, to work together on testing AI models for safety before they are then released by the companies. And this is what he had to say. Lots of people said we, we shouldn't invite China at all. Then lots of people said, well, even if you invite them, they won't come. Then everyone said if they come, then they won't agree. Well, not only did we invite them, they did come and they signed up to the same set of principles that we, the Americans, the Europeans, and dozens of other countries did. Now, that hasn't happened in a long time. And again, I think it, it speaks to our ability in the UK to convene people, to bring them together, and actually really make tangible progress on solving some of the world's big problems. Now, that wasn't an easy decision, right? It wasn't an easy decision for you to invite China, and indeed, lots of people criticized me for it, but I think it was a right long-term decision. Because any serious conversation about AI safety has to engage the leading AI nations. China is willing to enhance dialogue and communication in AI safety with all sides, contributing to an international mechanism with broad participation and governance framework based on wide consensus, delivering benefits to the people and building a community with a shared future for mankind. Now, just two minutes after Rishi Sunak started speaking, we had this tweet from Elon Musk, uh, the tech billionaire, you know, the owner of uh, Twitter, which is now known as X, suggesting that uh, all the countries of the world and the organizations of the world are warning about the catastrophic risk and harm from AI, but that they're all in a race to develop it first. So, a bit of a controversial tweet. Made sit uh, or made or will make that conversation with uh, Rishi Sunak uh, a little bit diff more difficult this evening. Uh, and certainly, it's been picked up by a lot of the media here at uh, Bletchley Park. But this is a significant uh, uh, agreement, the Bletchley Declaration. Uh, the question is in the wording, which is that everyone agrees there needs to be a global framework, everyone needs to be agrees that needs to be rules around regulating AI and indeed the United States is legislating for that, so, are the e so is the EU, uh, China has already, the UK though, Rishi uh, Sunak uh, talks about light touch regulation and that before legislation you need to understand the technology first, so an agreement that we need to get to a global framework on AI, but the question is how are we going to get there collectively because each country, uh, or in the case of the EU, the blo uh, a block, uh, everyone wants to tread their own path differently. That will do for this edition of Global Business. I'm Jujufeng.